Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NRL show, episode 24. My name is Dan Frost and as always, supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight I've got Tasha and I've got Alicia here with me as we talk all things rugby league. And tonight, the question I've got for you guys straight off the top is, well, which team has the best jersey in the game right now? Alicia, I'm going to throw this one to you. This is a tough start, just quietly. It took me a little while to pick one. Um, I've gone with the defending premiers. Penrith, I think just I like the idea of simple. So they've got the black and then they've got the licorice across the front. Um, even better, they played in that 1991 retro jersey earlier this year and I thought that was pretty cool too. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with basic and go Penrith. Yeah, I, I, I found this one really challenging as well. I mean, I guess, you know, the, the Red V uh, was really close to getting this and I've got a few friends and family that support them. So if you're listening, uh, they, they definitely were in the conversation there. But for me, I've, I've had to go south. Um, you know, just something about that uh, that clean cut red and red and uh, yeah, red and green. And um, yeah, they've just been able to make a few subtle changes over the years to tighten it up a little bit. And um, yeah, again, it's it's fresh in our memory um, off the back of that grand final as well. So South for me. Uh, Tash, what about yourself? Well, I'm going to um, go with something different again. And I went through all the jerseys. I looked at the home jersey, the away jersey, the classic jersey, and I can't go past the Sharkies because I'm a bit of a traditionalist and both their home and their away jersey, guess what's printed across their big, in big letters across their chest? You've got it, Sharkies. So, yeah, who are you playing for? I'm playing for the Sharkies. Like, you know, you've got Titans. Who are you playing for? I'm playing for Nets. No, wait, what, who, who are you, Titans? Almost every other team has got the big sponsorship. I think there's a place for sponsorship, don't get me wrong. But that big riding across your chest should be the club you're playing for, and Sharkies it is. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. We're a different footy team, and we've got a point of difference about us. Well, this is the biggest moment in several of these players' football lives. Champion players, champion club. want to be king in your story. I want to know. Yeah, and this week on the huddle, we're going up north to Queensland and we're tackling the Brisbane Broncos. Guys, let's get straight into this one. Alicia, I'm going to throw throw this to you. You know, I, I guess for, for a lot, a lot of years, you know, the Brisbane Broncos were about winning premierships. Obviously, they have such a rich history. You know, they've obviously gone through a bit of a down period. But, um, yeah, talk to us a little bit about where the club is at the moment as they continue to try and uh, rebuild. Yeah, well, after the 2020 season, I guess the only way it was up, we had Kevin Walters come on board and um, I guess, you know, we are expecting some change with the Broncos. I think many people still predicted the side to finish where they ended up finishing at 14th position, but I felt like we saw a, a bit more consistency to Brisbane in 2021. Um and, you know, they've got a lot to work on now. They've got a bit more of a base heading into um, the 2022 season where where probably wasn't there, you know, this time last year. They were obviously, they'd hit rock bottom and I feel like they have come out of it a little bit, but there's still a lot of work to go um, 
yeah, just having a look at the draw um, from the year just gone. And, you know, they got off to a pretty tough start. Um, they dropped six of their first seven games and, um, you know, you just you can't be competitive coming off a Warden Spring season by, by doing that. So, yeah, they've got a bit of work to do, but I thought they showed some pretty promising signs during the year. Yeah, look, Alicia, I think they've got a lot of work to do. I mean, yeah, they were wooden spoon last year and so they've come up a little bit from there. But let's not forget, in eight games, they conceded 35 points or more. And we're not just talking about the top-level teams that they conceded them to. They they conceded uh, 35 points or more to teams like the Tigers, the Dragons and the Raiders. Like, they've got a lot of work to do, and um, I'm not convinced that they're, they're up and ready for a better – well, they've improved somewhat, but uh, a hell of a long way to go before you, you even see them thinking about finals. Yeah, it was interesting to watch them uh, last year because – they're actually really competitive in the first 20 minutes of games. Uh, you sort of watch them and they, they came up against, uh, they put on a good show against Penrith and a few other clubs, but they, they just fell away so quickly. And I think for me, there was just so much fragility to the way in which they played. Like as soon as they hit any sort of adversity, whether it was an error or two or a penalty, the heads dipped. And uh, yeah, to Tasha's point, the defense was a little bit of a problem. And Alicia, you know, I guess for me, I did start to see a little bit of an improvement, but let's take it back and look at things more of, more at the high level, at the club level, because, you know, that they did sort of, I guess they're in the middle of letting go a lot of players and, and, and I guess trying to um, cement a, a top 17 and a 30, but, you know, they had to make some tough decisions when it came to the roster. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, pointing out the obvious, but their roster is an absolute mess. Um, you know, the salary cap, it's been well documented how many players have let go and, and had retired and a lot of sort of back payments. I feel like the big um, success story out of their season is has been off field in terms of, you know, Dave Donaghy coming on board, former Melbourne CEO, you know, knows how to win premierships off the field. Um, and you've got uh, Benny Eichen as well is another great addition to that, to that club. So Kevin Walters is getting guys around him that um, know how, how to win off-field and, and we all know that, you know, the Bron- Broncos have always had that stability um, off-field up until, you know, a couple of years ago, you could say. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like if anything, the Broncos have, have won a fair bit off-field and, and it's hopefully going to transition on-field. But, again, I, I don't think many people expected them to, to get back into the finals this year off the back of last year, but... Um, at least show a little bit of improvement and a little bit of growth, which is what I think they've done. Yeah, and Tasha, I, 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 and Tasha, I think it's really interesting if we uh, if we look at the Brisbane Broncos because they let go quite a few players. They've had a lot of uh, yeah, a, a lot of overhaul to to their roster. And I, I guess one of the things that we've spoken about previously is that you know the Brisbane Broncos just have so much talent up there in Queensland that. You know, one of their goals should be, needs to be, to kind of retain that next generation of superstars coming through because, you know, in recent years, I guess one of the concerns that fans have had is obviously David Fafita moved on from the club. They lost Reese Walsh. You know, part of, part of the, I guess, the challenge for Brisbane moving forward is retaining their best young talent um, over the next few seasons. 
Yeah, Dan, look, if if I could find something positive to say about um, the Broncos, there's probably two things, and uh, Alicia nailed it with um, the bringing in of the Benny Icons and getting that old Brisbane Broncos culture back that should then, you know, read through into into their players and their results. And the other thing is what you just mentioned, hang on to their juniors. And they do have some great juniors coming through that they have re-signed. Um, like we'll probably talk about Tessie New um, later on, but also, you know, Sh- Shell and Kobo. So, yeah, that's the two things, the, the culture from the top and bringing in those young kids and keeping them. And I feel like it's a little bit tough. Like the, the Reese Walsh signing for the Warriors, like, you gotta remember, he's, he's an 18 year old kid, and the Warriors have basically thrown, you know, half a million dollars at him um, based on potential. And we saw how good that is with Caelan Ponga. Like, that's what Newcastle did, paid off Trump's, you know, it, it was a great signing in the end. But I feel like with the Reese Walsh signing, it, it's a bit harsh on the Broncos to sort of say, oh, another one got away when, like, you know, any one of us gets offered that sort of money, <laughs> we'd, be, we'd be out of there. So, um, yeah, I think. It is a big loss. It must sting Broncos fans to see a guy like Reese Walsh, you know, carve it up in his first year. But um, unfortunately, just with that catchment area of Brisbane, it's going to happen. Like other clubs target the Broncos junior base. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely right. And I think you know what one of the things that Brisbane need is a circuit breaker. Uh, and you know, you talk about Kalen Ponga coming to to the to the Newcastle Knights, and as we go through a lot of these teams that ha- that are struggling or have struggled uh, in the recent season, you know that that's something they've really got to look at is is a player that can come in, become that circuit breaker, and attract other players, and potentially the Brisbane Broncos have had that uh, in a, in a well in a pretty popular halfback. Uh, so let's talk about him now. The halfback uh, heading into twenty twenty two will be, of course former um, captain of the South Sydney Rabbitohs and, and grand finalist Adam Reynolds. Uh, Tash, let's just quickly touch on this because, you know, when a team has been struggling in recent seasons, to get someone of Adam Reynolds with his CV, it's it's pretty impressive and, um, you know, will, will certainly be a, be a positive sign for the Broncos going into next year. Absolutely. Adam Reynolds is such a great pickup and it's exactly what the Broncos have been looking for. Like he's got the level head, he's got the organisation, he's got the kicking game. He can always, you know, convert those difficult um, conversions. He can give you the, you know, the two points from back from the 40 with a field goal. He's got everything in his game. My question, Dan and Alicia, is who are you going to pair him with? It's a good question. It it, it is a good question. I, I mean... For me, I, I was sort of looking outside of the club in terms of trying to bring in two new halves, so Adam Reynolds, and then bring in another talent. Just because there were so many players off the mark, oh, you know, off the market, uh, you know, during that period. But um, yeah, a player, Alicia, that we, that we spoke a little bit about, who was quite impressive, was Tyson Gamble, and you know, for me, he just reminds me a lot of Josh Reynolds in the way in which he plays. You know, may not necessarily have the most natural talent in some of the, the players in the competition, but plays with so much emotion and. I guess what what I can see when I watch Tyson play is he loves his club. And, yeah, for me, I'd, I'd be probably giving him uh, first shot at that six jersey next year. Yeah, I think if they don't sign anyone between now and then, then Tyson should should get the nod. Um, funny you, you compare him to Josh Reynolds, and I do see that, especially with the way that he sort of niggles with the opponents. But um, I, I can't see why he can't be like another Cody Walker. Like, you see Adam Reynolds is very reserved guy, doesn't probably run the ball as much as you know, other halves in the competition. But 
you know, when you think of Tyson Gamble, you think we could see him sort of focusing on that left edge and, and, um, you know, building a partnership when you've got Adam Reynolds on the right and sort of composing. I think Brisbane can get their kicking game under control, which we know that Adam Reynolds is a great kicker. Um, I think it'll just take the heat off Tyson Gamble, who's doing a lot of that kicking for Brisbane. Um, And, yeah, so I think it could work really well. But the, the thing is, like, you know, can they click straight away? Um, I feel like this is still going to be a little bit of a slow burn. Like Adam Reynolds has played for South Sydney all his career. He doesn't know any other way. He's basically helped build that team, whereas he's starting from scratch. So I, I don't actually think it's going to happen overnight for Brisbane still with Adam Reynolds. But, you know, I'm expecting him to be much better, say, in 2023 than, than next year um, in terms of getting the Broncos back into the finals. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, and it's great to have, um, you know, a level head, you know, thinking about that. I, I just wonder whether fans are going to be so patient, whether they're going to expect the Broncos to come out in that first month of football next year and, and just suddenly start putting teams away. Um, yeah, all right, guys. And let's talk about another player in the Brisbane Broncos system because, you know, you talk about a club that's struggling. Well, one thing that can help is having a generational talent in your football team. And there is a forward playing for the Brisbane Broncos that certainly fits that criteria. Tasha, Payne Haas, I mean, we have seen some remarkable forwards in our game, but Payne, he, just, he, he is something different. And I mean, I, but I guess the question, I, get the, I guess the question that I have for you with Payne is you, you can't, you don't want to, you don't want to waste his best years. It's, it's, it's really important that Brisbane really nail this rebuild because, you know, we, we'd love to see Payne Haas, um, you know, I, I guess take his game to the next level in the final series. Yeah, Dan, look, Payne Haas has been their saving grace and he's been their standout performer all year. Um, I've got him, you know, making the Australian team, if not starting, but definitely off the bench. Um, he's, a, he's a fabulous player and, and, a, and a great, you know, go forward for the forwards to play around. And, you know, they're really lucky that they've still got him next year. It's just... Um, you know, what can they put around him? Um, can Adam Reynolds have enough time in the off-season to gel and get that whole team working? But Payne Haas is certainly some someone that the Broncos will be looking to to um, lead the way. Yeah, and he's, he's still so young, and I think there's so much uh, that he can still uh, improve upon within his game, which is a scary prospect. Uh, I, I guess, uh, Alicia, my next question was around the fullback position because you talk about, you know, you really focus in on the spine when we look at sort of these rebuilding clubs. Now, I, I've got a bit of a running list here. It appears that half the football team will be applying for that fullback role next year. Um, you know, what, what's your thought? I mean, it, it is difficult to try and uh, pick a player. I know that Kevy's really struggling with it, but have you got any thoughts as to who might be playing fullback next year for the Bronx? Well, I did like what Tessie New brought to the table um, towards the end of the year. I feel like Brisbane were just a completely different team um, in patches. Like we sort of saw what they were capable of. And a lot of it was when Tessie New was was at fullback and given a bit of a free reign. He's got a bit of a passing game in him as well. Like um, just a matter of, I guess, picking the right moments and, and when to throw it and when to not. But, yeah, I think him coming out of, you know, his own, he was pretty strong. It's just a matter of getting some more games under his belt. And we all know fullback's such a important position. Jermaine Osako's tried and, um, you know, hasn't really been that effective. I think with Xavier Coates as well off to Melbourne, then he should go back onto the wing and, and just remain there. And we've got Jordan Pereira from St. George coming along. We know he's he's a winger. Um, who else have they got? Uh, well, a, a player... 
a player. Franco though. Lee. Franco Lee's a center, sorry. Um, so, yeah, they haven't really got a lot coming. Um, but another guy you were going to mention, we've got David Mead as well, who we also know is a winger. But, yeah, go on. Sorry, Dan. No, I was just going to say, a player that I wanted both of your opinion on is the young rookie, Selwyn Cobbo, because, you know, there's a lot of excitement around a lot of the younger players in the competition. He obviously starred uh, in the Queensland Cup as well. But I'll, I'll go to both of you with the same question. Is What's your opinion on a talented young player such as Selwyn? Would you throw him in? Uh, or would you like to sort of see him eased into the system? I, I guess there's, you know, there's there's benefits to both. We've we've seen um, clubs have different strategies, but yeah, Alicia, what's your thoughts on on sort of bringing in a really young rookie in such a pivotal position within the team? Well, he seems pretty from when I watched him um, when he did play either in the wing or or in the centres. He was that left edge, and I, I quite liked what he could do on the, on the left side. So if he didn't get the fullback spot, then definitely I'd, I'd start him in the left centre, have Tony Staggs on the right, or at least le- left wing. Like, we know fullbacks, as you mentioned, Roger Tilvar-Sashek started on the wing. Like, he, he's so on Cobo, it's not going to hurt him if he if he continued to. So, um, yeah, I, I see him starting in the centres to begin with. Yeah, Leish, look, I'm going to agree and disagree with you right there. It's um, when you talk about... Um, Tessie Newey, he started in the centres, but he really came into his own when he came um, when he started playing fullback. So, you know, I, if I was Kevy Walters, I would say, righto, mate, you started playing better at fullback, where a lot of centres can get lost when they have to plug that hole. He seemed to really come into his own. So I'd have him there at fullback. And we're also just talking about uh, Selwyn Cobbo and He's only 19 years of age, and I'm going to make a big call here. I see him as a Greg Inglis-style centre. So I definitely just have him in the centres and, um, yeah, look out. I really do see him as a Greg Inglis. Yeah, definitely definitely a super talented young player. And, and I guess, you know, similar to what we spoke about in the last episode was whoever it is, you've got to make a call early in camp. I, I think it's really important that whoever it is, Whoever the fullback is for the Brisbane Broncos, they get a full preseason there and they really get to make the team their own. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't like to see them sort of experiment in the first month of next year. Uh, let's make a decision. Let's pick someone. Let's stick with it uh, and give them the football team. All right, guys, time for our predictions for the Brisbane Broncos. They finished in 14th position in the 2021 season with a record of seven wins with 17 losses. Um, Tash, going to throw it to you. Where are you predicting uh, Brisbane will finish up next year? Yeah, as you said, Dan, they finished um, 14th this year. I think a lot depends on how much um, Adam Reynolds can bring to the team. And we all know he can bring a great deal, but is it is that not going to come to fruition until 2023? And if it doesn't, if he doesn't gel with that team, if he doesn't gel, we've been tossing up who he's going to have as his number six, then um, I'm I'm keeping him at 14th next year. Yeah, look, for me, I, I don't move teams into the top eight if they don't have a stable spine. That's kind of my rule. So I've got them improving. So I've got them around the, about the 11th or 12th. I think they'll try They'll try their very best, obviously, to make their way into the finals. But unless they can really stabilise that spine, I can't see them um, getting into the finals in 2022. Uh, but, Alicia, what's your thoughts on this team? A little bit hard to get a gauge of, but, um, yeah, what's your prediction? Yeah, I'm the same, just as I mentioned before, with, with Adam Reynolds. Uh, I'm not convinced it's going to happen overnight. So I think they will improve 
from that 14th spot, but not by much, probably around that 11th, 12th mark, as you mentioned. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our next segment for tonight, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and in this series of the match, we look, well, we look within clubs. So uh, tonight we're going to be featuring the Melbourne Storm, and we're going to be, well, debating a bit of a match between two players within that club. So who else than Brandon Smith will be coming up against Harry Grant tonight uh, in the match. Uh, Tash, I'm going to throw this straight to you, and let's start with Brandon Smith because, you know, he's had such an interesting uh, rise to fame, you know, in, in rugby league they're down there in the Melbourne Storm system. Uh, but let, let's start with the early beginnings. He, um, I guess he, he he learned his trade behind quite a handy footballer down there in Melbourne. Yeah, and what, what a better mentor. You can't get a better mentor in the game than Cam Smith. Um, look, I think Craig Bellamy has obviously got so much faith in Smith. He's he's um, come come along in leaps and bounds this year. He's his um, enthusiasm that he brings, but not just that, he's, he can play such a number of different positions. I mean, obviously, you know, he plays the number nine, then, you know, he's such a valuable player that even when Harry Grant comes on into the number nine, you know, Bellamy doesn't take Smith off. He puts um, Brandon in at, at at the number 13. So he can play the nine, he can play the 13. Hell, he can play in the halves. He's, he's such a such a great player and very versatile. Alicia, if, if, if there was someone who came from a foreign uh, planet and they've never seen Brandon Smith play before, how would you... How would you best describe his play? Like, are there a few things that kind of stand out for you when you watch when you watch him play? He's a hundred miles an hour. Whatever he has, energy wise, he just comes out, you know, firing from the minute um, he steps onto the field. And um, I think he's gotten a bit smarter though in terms of you know holding onto that energy. When when he used to come off the bench, if you remember, like straight away you knew he was on because he was just straight up the middle and has no respect for his body. Um, whereas this year, especially when he was starting nine, he sort of was a bit more, yes, yeah, still 100 miles an hour, but was a bit more smarter about it. And I thought it worked really, really well. Um, he's, yeah, he, he's just a classy, classy player. And we've known this from when he left the Cowboys and come down to Melbourne. You know, he, he was supposed to replace Cameron Smith. Um there was all these big raps on him. He's bided his time and then suddenly a guy like Harry Grant comes along and, you know, they're, they're best mates as well, which is um, must make things a little bit difficult when they both want to start. But, yeah, he's uh, he's just 100 miles an hour for me. Yeah, Tasha, it was really... Tasha, it was a really interesting year uh, watching Brandon play because, you know, he has kind of built the reputation as... You know, I guess in the early stages of his career, he's not necessarily the most creative player, you know, to Alicia's point. You know, a little bit of brawn over brains in terms of, you know, you can see him so so much enthusiasm, very physical player, gives it everything he's got. But I, I guess we saw a different side of Brandon Smith this season because there were he, he showed everything this year uh, down there in Melbourne and, you know, really gave everyone a lot to think about in terms of, you know, he, he is... I, I guess adding so much to his game already. It's already at such a young age, but yeah, I, I guess you can't say that about Brandon Smith anymore. He's certainly got a lot of creativity and and showed that this year. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Like his game has really evolved. Like when he first burst on onto the scene, he was energizer butter. 
uh, bunny and he was just tackling everything inside. He was great, enthusiastic. But now he's added a bit more flair and class to his game and um, Bellamy certainly recognised that. But the evolution of Brandon Smith in, in the 2021 season has been absolutely amazing. Yeah, and Alicia, I, I guess one of the other challenges, and Brandon spoke about this, is the issues around pre- preparing uh, for for this position in terms of his body. Because you know, uh, Tasha spoke about it, and and it's not something that um, that we should uh, uh, pass lightly. Is, is you know, he's played hooker, he's played lock, but Brandon's come out and spoke about how different that is from a body. Uh, you know, you've you've obviously got to be a lot bigger playing in that lock role, and then in the hooker role, you've got to slim down, and you know, to be able to sort of play play long minutes and things like that. So, yeah, it, it's very difficult and, and would be really, I, I guess, good to see Brandon be able to stabilise, uh, be in the one position for a period of time so that he can sort of have a full off-season and prepare for a role. That's why they call him the block of cheese because he hasn't necessarily got that body that, you know, we're so used to seeing uh, footy players, let alone, you know, dummy halves. As you mentioned, they've got to be um, strong upper body and, and uh, yeah, but he... You know, I think I think people underestimate too just how fit he is, and and I guess the lock role these days is changing too, right? Like you, Dale Finucane was probably not much bigger than than Brandon Smith. Um, so yeah, I think there's a lot lots changing around both roles, really, the hooker hooker spot and and a lock position. But yeah, I mean, it, it must be frustrating for him in a way um, around that. But I don't think that there'd be much difference in terms of if you had to put weight on or lose weight. Like players lose weight pretty easy. Um, as far as I know, like after games and stuff, they they could easily drop a couple of kilos. So, um, yeah, I don't think that's an issue for him. But it's more just a matter of how they how they manage these two guys moving forward. Because with Dale Finucane going, you know, they need a lock now. Do they do they look at that, or do, are they quite happy with that hooker rotation that they've currently got? Yeah, I, I think it's pretty interesting, and for me. Uh you got to keep them both, you know. You you got to keep them both. You got to figure out a way, and um, yeah, the fact that Brandon can play that other position makes it really, really attractive and tempting to to sort of make, uh, move him there. But um, no, definitely something to keep an eye on. All right, guys. Well, let's talk about his competitor tonight, uh, young Harry Grant. Tash, let's take a step back because we heard about this young kid who you know, was pretty talented. Again, another player that couldn't get a start down there in Melbourne. Uh, and then he he obviously went through on loan uh, to the West Tigers, and you know we kept an eye on him. And he's another talented player from Melbourne Storm. But very quickly, you could tell there was something a little bit different about this kid. Har- talk to us about Harry Grant and how he first, I, I guess, hit our screens and and really flashed there for the West Tigers. Yeah, Dan, he's definitely something special, Harry Grant. I, I often refer to him as you're a wizard, Harry. And uh, as being a bit of a Tigers supporter, I absolutely love, love, loved his um, the way he played in the 2020 season. Um, so I think this year he hasn't been able to really um, perform at that level. Now, injury may well have... Um, you know, held him back some some spot. I think he only played 15 games um, this year. So that certainly hampered his um, performance. But, look, if he can re- recapture that magic of the 2020 form that he showed and the brilliance that he does have, um, you know, there's great things for, um, for Harry. Alicia, w- watching him play, uh, he just – one of the things that really stood out when, when you watch Harry play is his ability to kind of – make an impact on the game, you know, like if whether it was at uh, at club level, you know, for the West Tigers who, you know, he was able to sort of, you know, win a few games for them or then when he returned to Melbourne Storm or even when he played State of Origin, 
if things are not going your way and you can bring a Harry Grant off the bench, you can change the result. Talk to us about Harry Grant because he he's just he epitomizes what, what an impact player is in the, in the modern game. Well, actually, um, I had him, so we did like an expert's view on NRL.com earlier this year, and, and I had him as he'd be picked for Mal Meninga's Australian side at the end of the year. That was based off last year's origin. But then he's just picked up these injuries in the last, just niggling ones like hamstring. Um, I think he's done it a couple of times this year and um, just hasn't been as effective as what we did see at the West Tigers. Like he just had that team on a roll and, and obviously the Tigers have struggled for so many years. So when he come on and he, he starts setting up tries and just had the, had the forward pack, he has the same sort of ability that Cameron Smith does where he could just, you know, get that forward pack on the front foot and then sort of dart out of dummy half. And there were a lot of teams that, that were sort of on alert, whereas I don't think we saw that as much this year. And I think a lot of it had to do with Brandon Smith as well, taking the pressure off. A lot of games Harry Smith got on, um, Harry, Harry Smith, Harry Grant got on and was, you know, team was already up 20 nil. Um, so it, it's such a different, I'd love to get his thoughts because it'd be such a different um, ball game for him coming on, um, knowing not the, that the job's done, but like, you know, he could sort of ease his way into it. And I just don't think the injuries helped. Um, and the fact that he wasn't necessarily the priority hooker or that the guy that the team had to rely on, it was very much a case of he could sort of ease his way into a game. Um yeah, I don't know. I just don't think that we saw the best of him, but I don't think we needed to because he was in a great team that, that could, you know, was already at their best. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. All right, guys. Well, look, in the match, we uh, can't sit on the fence. We've got to pick a winner here. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess the question is, who is the better dummy half at the moment for the Melbourne Storm? Is it Brandon Smith? Is it Harry Grant? Uh, Tasha, I'm going to throw it to you. Who are you picking in this one? Dan, can't go past the stats. Um, if, you, if you look at compared to all other hookers in the game, uh, Brandon Smith is ranked first for tries first for try assists and second for line break assists. So, yeah, you know, comparing him to Harry, Harry can recapture his magic next year, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm in the Brandon camp. Yeah, look, for me, I'm going to go with Harry Grant um, just because I think, I, I, I do admit, I, th- I think Brandon uh, definitely pipped him this year, had a better season than Harry, but um, there's something really, really special about Harry Grant the thing that makes me very, very nervous is that hamstring. Uh, as Alicia spoke about, it's gone a couple of times. And and one of the things we do know about that particular injury is it can start to play with your head. And uh, one of the really big strengths to Harry's game is he's running, you know, his ability to run out of dummy half. So um, we just hope that that is all in the past and next season he can get back to his fully fit um, self. And if he does, I'm sort of predicting forward that he will have he will have a huge campaign next season for the Storm. Alicia, what about yourself? Again, very difficult, two quality players, but uh, who are you going in this one? Yeah, um, at the moment, Brandon Smith, but only because he's, you know, he had that opportunity at the start of the year, took it with both hands and basically has just starved Harry Grant of the starting spot. Um, but I think long-term, you know, Harry Grant, I think by the end of their careers will have achieved a lot more. Um, then Brandon Smith, no disrespect to that them, obviously, <laughs> with that. But I just think, yeah, Harry, long-term, is going to be something special. 
All right, guys, well, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is singing closing time. Maybe that's what you're hearing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, we continue to build our way too early predictions for the Australian Kangaroos team as we look ahead to the World Cup. Uh, and uh, this week, we're talking second rowers, our 11 and our 12. Tasha, I'm going to, well, uh, sorry, I'm going to throw it to you, Alicia, uh, to run through this one because, you know, the edge back rowers, a key position, but typically uh, a position that, again, there is so much competition uh, in these roles. So good luck, my friend. Uh, who are you tipping in this one? Who is your 11? Who is your 12 for the Kangaroos? This was pretty tough as well. Um, I've gone with a couple of guys that, again, probably um, have have had their moments in club season, but I think alongside, you know, Australian halves. And who have we got in our halves team so far? Who's in the halves, Dan? Uh, well, look, for myself, I've gone uh, Cam, Cam Munster and Nathan Cleary. They seem to be the popular yep. pick. But Jerome Luai, he is, uh, he's putting a lot of pressure on Munster and I think Tash uh, sort of had him picked there. So, yeah, no, it's um, definitely a talented group. So in that, in that case, I've gone with Angus Crichton and Dave Fafida, both similar reasons in that, like, they're both hole runners, if those halves, as classy as they are, give them early ball in a starting side, um, you know, they're, they're dangerous. They're, they're the most probably dangerous combination for me. So especially for Fida, there's, a lot of, there's been a lot of chat around his form in rep games and all that sort of thing. But I, I think, you know, playing alongside Nathan Cleary and, and Cam Munster in an Australian jersey should spark him to start. Yeah, absolutely. And Tash, same question to you. Interested to hear your 11 and 12. And I, I guess, you know, the, the team so far does have a big New South Wales feel and flavour. There's just so much talent in New South Wales at the moment. So that's also another good thing as we uh, as we continue to build this team. Yeah, Dan, I think we talked about the number 13 a couple of weeks ago. And if my memory serves me, I had Isaac Yao there. Um, so I'm going to put in number 11... Um, Cam Murray, yeah, I know he normally plays 13, but the energy, the enthusiasm that he brings, um, I just can't leave him out of the starting 13. So I've got him as my number 11. Um, I think he's going to create so many opportunities, especially with his quick play the balls. Um, And then to complement that, I'm going to agree with Leash on um, Angus Crichton um, simply because he can run, run those holes. He can run those lines really, really well. But not to say that I wasn't tempted to say Liam Martin. Like he came came along really great guns. He's, you know, with the Premiership winning Panthers team. Um, the backstory to him um, losing his brother, who was his his coach, his mentor, and how he's so proud to wear the Martin name. Uh, his whole family goes to watch. He carries the world on his shoulders and, and he loves the game. He loves playing. So, yeah, I'm going to go with um, Cam Murray. And just to be maybe, I'm going to change my mind, just to be different from Leash. Um, I'll go with Liam Martin as the number 12. Yeah, nice. And given all the competition, whoever gets that 11 and 12 jersey, uh, they're going to be very, very fortunate to do so, uh, yeah, given given how much talent is in those spots. Look, for me, I'm going to go with, look, if, if the team was picked right now, you, you've, you've got to look at Kurt Capewell. And, I mean, I can't believe I'm saying that 
um, judging by his background. And he has just toiled away. He has worked hard. But at the moment, he is playing sensational. And obviously, the combination with Nathan Cleary makes that really, really attractive. Uh, there are a lot of risk in terms of moving clubs. So heading to the Brisbane Broncos, that's going to go one or two ways. So thinking positively there for Kurt, um, if he kick, kicks on and has a big impact up there in Brisbane, um, who's to say that he can't do something special there? And look, for me, I'm going to go with Angus Crichton as well because he is just different. He is one of the best uh, back rowers in the game at the moment. But a little special mention, and again, it would be playing them out of position, but a player that I do want to give a, a, a bit of a, a bit of, well, I just want to highlight them is Victor Radley uh, for the Sydney Roosters. He has had... A bit of an interesting situation when it comes to his rep football. Just as he's about to break into uh, to state of origin and start his his representative career, he's obviously had a few different issues there. I'm expecting uh, an absolute historic season from Victor Radley next year. So um, he may find it very hard to to get uh, to fight his way into a lock role, but could find himself on an edge if he has the season that I expect him to have. But um, yeah, definitely a lot of talent there in that in that team. All right, guys. Well, look, that's all the time we have. Just want to thank my amazing panel as we break down Rugby League Talk, all things Brisbane Broncos tonight. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, tonight's episode. Uh, If you did, please download the show, share with family and friends. And until next week, we'll see you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.